Amen. So this topic, this, the topic that God put on my heart was kind of like a little painful one. It was a little, it was, there was some growing, there was some crying, there's a lot of crying. Um, so the topic is finding God in change. Transition is necessary. Finding God in change, transition is necessary. A famous philosopher said, the one thing that is constant is change. So I looked up the word change. The definition of change is make or become different. Then I looked up the word transition. The definition for transition means movement, passage, or change from one position, state, subject, concept, to another. Change. Now I'm a little confused. You guys, I know you don't know me, but sometimes you have to talk to me like a five-year-old. So this confused me. The difference between change and transition is subtle, but it's important. Change is something that happens to people even if they don't agree with it and even if they are not ready for it, such as losing a job, losing a loved one, and breaking a leg. <laughs> now, in transition, on the other hand, it's internal. It's what happens in people's minds as they go through a change. Change can happen very quickly. It's known to do so while transition usually occurs more slowly. Transition can be marriage, having children, developing a new role, or even attending a new church, which me and James know something about that. <laughs> Let me show you a little demonstration of what I see as change is. Change versus transition, because I needed more of an understanding. Okay. So, we have two glasses of water here. I will use two glasses of water and call them thing one and thing two. Okay. I will use these two glasses of water again and we'll call them thing one and thing two. Change is replacing thing one with thing two. Again, change is replacing thing one with thing two. Transition is one becoming two. So that helped me. I don't know if it helped y'all, but it definitely helped me understand. <laughs> For those listening online, we just swa uh, swapped glasses with, uh, with change. I'm sorry. For those listening online, we uh, just swapped glasses with change. For transition, I poured the water from one glass to another to make them whole. The last thing I want to share about transition, transition, it holds a story together, okay? If we want to change something in our lives, we must focus on the inner, and God will take care of the outer. Transition is a way of life. And, we don't get, and if we don't get good at adjusting, we risk not moving, we risk getting stuck in our purpose, and we risk 
destroying ourselves with worry, anxiety, and fatigue. So let us turn to Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19, please. And let me know when you have it. I always wanted to say that. <laughs> I always wanted to say, let me know when you have it. <laughs> okay. It's a, um, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, mm -hmm. 18 through 19, you're fine. And it reads, do not, do not remember the former things, nor consider things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. Now for me, making road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, that brought me on home. Now can we go to Ephesians 6? 11, verses 11 through 13, please. Okay. And that reads, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So verse 11 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13 tells us to take it with us. So I know I'm new to the church, and I know you guys don't know myself or my husband. But we've been through our share of change. James and I have seen some pretty crazy things the last few years. But a major change, transition in our lives, was that the last three years, we've seen job lost. My husband lost his job. He was our primary breadwinner. I watched him submit over 300 applications, 300 applications, and it's probably more than that. He went on countless interviews, and nobody would hire this man. I mean, absolutely nobody. What was mind-boggling to me was he served our country for 23 years, and he was able to obtain five degrees in the United States Air Force. I said five, y'all. Five degrees. He was a college president at two different colleges, and with all his credentials, still nothing at all. I still can't explain it. To really test our faith, we had two kids in college. We had a household, we had countless bills. It was just piling up. It was very overwhelming. So then, my husband, he started driving Uber and Lyft. I was a little surprised about that. From a college president to a taxi driver. But God. James had a plan. He explained he had a plan to drive smart, but not to drive 
I'm sorry, he had a plan, he had a plan to drive smart, but not just to drive. So he, was, he had a strategy worked out. He wanted to maximize the company's benefits and embrace change and transition. Every morning before he left the house, I would pray over him. I trust that God had covered us. We started to make enough money, finally, to sustain our household. Before this happened, I was a stay-at-home mom for about 15 years because we moved from, we moved every three years. So it was cost-effective for me to be at home with the kids. I worked part-time here and there whenever we needed money. Even looking back now, I kind of see that God was preparing me for the change and transition, even though I didn't realize it at the time. I had to change roles from being a stay-at-home mom and transitioning into working out of the home and understanding entrepreneurship. When you're used to a paycheck, a guaranteed paycheck every week, and then that's missing, God got creative. We are just beginning to breathe. We were just able to maintain our bills. And we were amazed and we were, you know, we were content. Change and transitions are necessary. We can't get stuck in change. And one of the things that I love was when Cinnamon, when she said, conviction brings transformation. I really love that. I read a quote while studying that said, sometime God brings times of transition to create transformation. So can we go to Psalms 32 and 8, please? It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Transition is how we adapt when God or life requires us to move from one stage of being to another. God guides us through our transitions. Some transitions we choose and some are thrust upon us. Just when we thought we were settling into this change and we were able to take a breath, another change hit us hard that same year. We had three close family members die within a few months of each other. My uncle, my grandfather, and my brother-in-law. All equally devastating. However, my brother-in-law was fatally shot three days before he reached his 21st birthday. And he had a little boy who was turning one month old. So needless to say, my family was devastated. So financially, professionally, and personally, transition and change hit home, and it hit home hard. We had to deal with so much chaos and confusion. Things happened so fast to me that I put my expectations on friends, family, and church, which led to major, major disappointments. But it wasn't their fault. They never asked me to put them on a pedestal. The church part really was the craziest, though. <laughs> it may have just been me, but I felt I had no one 
Have you ever felt like you had no one? I have the most loving husband, the most beautiful children, both doing well in school and college. I had everything. My mom, my stepdad, friends, etc. But with all those people around me, I still felt like I was alone. Job loss, multiple death, bills, children, and college takes a toll on your livelihood and your marriage. It all became so overwhelming. I felt like God wasn't answering my prayers in a timely manner. I needed help now, like ASAP. And in my notes, I put it in big letters, like now, ASAP. I even told God I was ready for things to change, like I'm telling him what to do. I was ready to get out of my own season, like I'm, I'm ready now. I couldn't wait for the new year to start, new resolution, telling God. How many of us put God on a timetable? How many of you tell God he is going, what he is going to do? That was me. I know it's comical. So God, so patiently, through change, was trying to transition me to a new way to see him. I was very comfortable calling God my savior, but I needed to know all of him. I needed to know him, his many names. Now God is called many names in the Bible, not just a single name, but by some counts, there are more than 20 different names for God mentioned in the Bible. And that each of these names has great significance. Each one tells us something important about God, his character, and how he relates to each and every one of us. Three names resonated with me. I needed to understand and connect to them. Abba, El Roi, and I don't believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Yahweh. Mark 14, 36 says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not, not what I will, but you will. You're well, I'm sorry. I needed to know him as Abba, the God who is our daddy. Abba is the name Jesus himself used for his father when he prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, I'm getting a little personal, getting a little transparent at this point. I didn't have a relationship with my biological father. We lived in the same city, but he never claimed me as his child. The only time I ever spoke to him is when I was eight years old, and he was across the street, just happenstance, at a neighbor's house. Saw my mom, and he came across the street to say hi, and then he left. That's it. So what I got. I didn't know what a daddy was, so I unconsciously couldn't see God as my daddy. I also needed to know him as El Rohai, and I'm pretty sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. But it stands for the God who sees. That's what the translation is. 
This name of God occurs only once in the Bible. Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, el I. You are the God who sees, in Genesis 16:13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees, for she said. Have I also here seen him who sees me? The all-seeing God had noticed her distress, and he came to her comfort and guided her. At that time, when all the craziness was breaking loose, I didn't think God saw my family's distress, but he did. He was also, he was also allowing the change to develop our transition. We get to see who people are when faced with adversity. If we keep our position stayed on God, we get to see God in adversity. God ordered our steps. Thank you, God. We are still in our house, and that change forced us out of our comfort zone to transition into entrepreneurs. We learned patience and perseverance, and we learned to rely on God even more. Yahweh is another way I needed to know him. The God who is always there. The name Yahweh comes from a Hebrew word meaning to be or to exist. In Exodus 3, when Moses asked God, who shall I tell Pharaoh as who sent me? God replied, I am. Tell Pharaoh, I am has sent you. God is always there. He is always there. At every, every turn, God was always there. Last night, Pastor Mel said, if we look hard enough at our situation, we will see the hand of God. And unknowingly, I created some handicaps. I put people and situations on pedestals. And guess what? They never asked to be there. When I would... When I would be home at night, I realized, I realized I put on the armor of God at church, but I didn't take it with me. So when James went to drive and the kids were at, way at college, I took the time to connect. And every time, God was there. I came across this quote during my studies. Happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, trust God. Every moment, thank God. And I want you all to repeat this with me, okay? Happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, trust God. Painful moments, trust God. Every moment, thank God. This became my mantra. Living by this quote literally saved my life. We would just sit and reflect and thank God for all of our blessings. And honestly, hindsight, hindsight being 2020, I could see a little warning signs 
from God. He was trying to tell me to prepare myself. There were many changes, transitions that happened that year for my family. But most importantly, he was doing a new things. Well, he was doing new things with an S. He was showing up in ways and new ways. But God wanted me to totally depend on him and also understand change is inevitable, but transition is necessary. I had to be present with God in the change and choose to surrender, trust, and obey for the transitions and also understand his fullness. Surrender is simply misunderstood, I believe. Surrender is deeply misunderstood as an act of weakness. Surrender is the bravest and most powerful thing a person could ever do. That's why it's so precious and divine. James 4, 6 says, God opposes everyone who is proud but it's kind to everyone who is humble. We have to surrender to God in all aspects of our lives as we change and transition in our marriages, in our jobs, or at our jobs, and with our children, and also, too, with our church family. Trust the transitions. Sometimes God closes doors because it's time to move forward. My heir Christian family, my heir Christian center family, even as you've changed venues and transitioned to a new church, embrace the transition slash, embrace the change slash transition. Be present with God in change and choose the surrender. Trust and obey. I started out finding God in change, transition is necessary, but also ending with say my names. Thank you very much. You're done.